Shalom Aleichem. Peace be upon you and welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives. That's where you go to support this mission of truth. Well, this morning we are resuming our study in the book of Job. We're asking the tough question, why do the godly suffer? Today we're going to be looking at chapters 15, 16, and 17. Chapter 15 is Eliphaz's second discourse to Job. And at this point, Eliphaz really begins to get arrogant. Goes as far as to basically accuse Job, uh, to claim that Job does not fear God, and gets really arrogant and prideful, frankly. Matthew Henry puts it this way. He says, Eliphaz here falls very foul upon Job because he contradicted what he and his colleagues had said and did not acquiesce in it and applaud it as they expected. Proud people are apt thus to take it very much amiss if they have not leave to dictate and give law to all about them and to censor those as ignorant and obstinate and that all is not who cannot in everything say as they say. Several great crimes Eliphaz here charges Job with only because he would not own himself as a hypocrite. So Eliphaz, as we'll see here in a minute, frankly, this is not a line. Then in chapter 16, Job is going to respond, and he's just going to flat out call them what they are. You guys are miserable comforters. Like, the three of you came here to comfort me in my despair, and you're really miserable at it. You're terrible comforters. And then sadly, Job's going to come to the question, where then is my hope? Where then is my hope? So with that backdrop, let's have a look today at what the scriptures have to say. Starting with chapter 15, Eliphaz's second discourse, King James Bible. Let's begin. Then answered Eliphaz the Timonite and said, Should a wise man utter vain knowledge and fill his belly with the east wind? Should he reason with unprofitable talk or with speeches wherewith he can do no good? Yea, thou castest off fear and restrainest prayer before God. For thy mouth uttereth thine iniquity and thou choosest the tongue of the crafty. Thy own mouth condemneth thee, and not I, yea, thy own lips testify against thee. Are thou the first man that was born? Or was thou made before the hills? Hast thou heard the secret of God, and dost thou restrain wisdom to thyself? What knowest thou that we know not? What understandest thou which is not in us? With us are both the gray-headed and the very aged men much elder than thy father. So please note, 
it appears to me what Eliphaz is struggling with is the fact that Job just doesn't grovel at their knowledge. And we know people like this, right? They're so brilliant in their own eyes. They know it all. They've got it all figured out. Everyone else is a bunch of idiots. And anybody who doesn't grovel at their feet because they've got all the certificates and they've got all the letters, and then, they, then they're just baffled, right? That someone would dare not listen to them. And Eliphaz has really come, that is where he's at. He's like, don't you know that we have gray hair? He's saying, basically what he's saying is we've been alive a lot longer than you, Job. Um, we're older than your father. Like, we're, and there's a lot of accusations going on here. Like, how dare you, Job, have a thought for yourself? Were you the first man to ever be born? Were you made before the hills? Have you heard the secret things of God? Continuing on. Are the consolations of God small with thee? Is there any secret thing with thee? Why doth thy heart carry thee away? And what do thy eyes wink at? That thou turnest thy spirit against God, and lettest such words go out of thy mouth. What is a man that he should be clean? And he which is born of a woman, that he should be righteous? Behold, he putteth no trust in his saints, yea, the heavens are not clean in his sight. How much more abominable and filthy is man! which drink of iniquity like water. Now, please note again. Out of context, the things that Eliphaz says could be interpreted as truth. The issue is that he's directing it at Job and he doesn't understand the backstory that we know because we read chapters 1 and 2. Right? They're just looking at Job's circumstances and coming to the conclusion and this assumption that Job must be wicked and needs to pray and needs to repent. Otherwise, this horrible thing wouldn't have come upon him. The general wisdom that's coming out of the mouth of his friends is generally a tr- is truth. Like, if we didn't know the backstory and we didn't realize that he's addressing Job and we were just reading these things, we'd say, yeah, it is true. This, these things are true. Man does lob up iniquity like water, drinketh up iniquity like water. These are all, these are all truths. Unfortunately, Eliphaz, you're directing them at the wrong person. And you don't understand Verse 17, I will show thee, hear me, and that which I have seen I will declare, which wise men have told from their fathers, and you have not hid it. And to whom alone the earth was given, and no stranger passed among them. The wicked man travaileth with pain all his days, and a number of years is hidden to the oppressor. A dreadful sound is in his ears, In prosperity, the destroyer shall come upon him. He believeth not that he shall return out of darkness, and he is waited for of the sword. He wandereth abroad for bread, saying, Where is it? He knoweth that the day of darkness is ready at his hand. 
trouble and anguish shall make him afraid. They shall prevail against him as a king ready to battle. For he stretches out his hand against God and strengthens himself against the Almighty. He runneth upon him even on his neck, upon the thick bosses of his bucklers. Because he covereth his face with his fatness, and maketh collapse of fat on his flanks, and he dwelleth in the desolate cities, and in his house which no man inhabiteth, which are ready to become heaps. He shall not be rich, neither shall his substance continue, neither shall he prolong his perfection thereof upon the earth. He shall not depart out of darkness, by the flame shall dry up his branches, and by the breath of his mouth shall he go away. Let not him that is deceived trust in vanity, for vanity shall be his recompense. Shall be accomplished before time, and his branch shall not be green. He shall shake off the unripe grape as the vine, and shall cast off his flower as the olive. For the congregation of hypocrites shall be desolate, and fire shall consume the tabernacle of bribery. They conceive mischief and bring forth vanity, and their belly prepareth deceit. To which I would say, Amen, Eliphaz, except this is not the case with Job. So there's Eliphaz's second discourse. And again, more or less, he's accusing Job of not properly fearing God, not repenting. And Eliphaz is clearly a little angered. Uh, that Job has not received their brilliance. So now we move on to chapter 16. Chapter 16 is Job's answer to Eliphaz. And then chapter 17 is very, very short. It's only 16 verses. So let's have a look at Job's response to Eliphaz here. Job 16. Verse 1. Then Job answered and said, I have heard many such things, miserable comforters are ye all. Shall vain words have an end? Or what emboldeth thee that thou answerest? I also could speak as you do, if your soul were in my soul's stead. I could heap up words against you and shake my head at you. But I would strengthen you with my mouth. And the moving of my lips should assuage your grief. Do you see what Job is saying there? He's saying, if you were in my place, I could just as easily heap up a bunch of painful, unhelpful, critical words to you. But that's not what I would do. If our roles were reversed, Job is saying, I would try to edify you. I would try to strengthen you and lift you up with my words, not tear you down. Verse 6, Though I speak, my grief is not assuaged, and though I forbear, what am I eased? But now he hath made me weary, thou hast made me desolate all my company, and thou hast filled me with wrinkles, which is a witness against me, and my leanness rises up in me, breath witness to my face, beareth witness to my face. He teareth me in his wrath, who hateth me. He gnashes upon me with his teeth. My enemy sharpeneth his eyes upon me. 
They have gaped upon me with their mouth. They have smitten upon the cheek reproachably. They have gathered themselves together against me. God hath delivered me to the ungodly and turned me over into the hands of the wicked. Please note. Just a little side note here. By the way, Job's not accusing God of bringing all this evil upon him. But he understands who's sovereign and in control. So the accusation isn't God has done all these horrible torments to me, but God has handed me over to the one who does torment. In other words, God has removed his hedge of protection and is allowing the evil to torment me, which, frankly, is basically what has happened. Sometimes I look at the world we're living in right now. Or I look at the United States. And what I think is, God has handed us over, hasn't he? God has said, have it your way, and handed us over. What does Job say? God hath delivered me to the ungodly. And turned me over into the hands of the wicked. Verse 12, I was at ease, but he hath broken me asunder. He hath also taken me by my neck and shaken me to pieces and set me up for his mark. His archers can pass me round about. He cleaveth my reins asunder and doth not spare. He poureth out my gall upon the ground. He breaketh me with breach upon breach. He runneth upon me like a giant. I have sewed sackcloth upon my skin and defiled my horn in the dust. My face is foul with weeping and my eyelids is the shadow of death. Now for any injustice in my hands, also my prayer is pure. O earth, cover not thou my blood and let my cry have no place. Also now, behold, my witness is in heaven and my record is on high. My friends scorn me, but my eyes poureth out tears unto God. Oh, that one might plead for a man with God as man pleadeth for his neighbor. When a few years are come, then I shall go the way whence I shall not return. Chapter 17, 16 more verses. My breath is corrupt. My days are extinct. The graves are ready for me. Are there not mockers with me? And doth not my eye continue in their provocation? Lay down now and put me in surety with thee. Who is he that will strike hands with me? For thou hast hid their heart from understanding, therefore shall thou not exalt them. He that speaketh flattery to his friends, even the eyes of his children shall fail. He that made me also a byword of the people, and after time I was in a tabard. My eyes also is dim by reason of sorrow, and all my members are as a shadow. Upright men shall be astonished at this, and the innocent shall stir up himself against the hypocrite. The righteous also shall hold on his way, and he that hath clean hands shall be stronger and stronger. But as for you all, do you return and come now, for I cannot find one wise man among you. 
My days are past, my purposes are broken off, even the thoughts of my heart. They change the night into day, and the light is short because of darkness. If I wait, the grave is my house. I have made my bed in the darkness. I have said to corruption, Thou art my father. To the worm, Thou art my mother and my sister. And where is now my hope? As for my hope, who shall see it? They go down to the bars of the pit when our rest together is in the dust. Now, my friends, is Job this morning. He says, I find no wise man among you, talking to his friends. You think you're wise, I don't find any wisdom to be said. And then we see Job's continued despair. He says, where's my hope? Who shall see it? He keeps talking. He, he is certain that the next step for him is the grave. And as we've heard him talk in previous chapters, he's kind of hoping for it. I'm so, he's so miserable. He's like, I wish that I had never been born. I'm so miserable. I'm actually longing for the grave. And so that is how our study ends this morning. I pray that you're being blessed by this study. And there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to learn about this, about suffering, how to deal with it as the sufferer, but also what is the right and wrong way to comfort someone who is suffering. And I think those are the two, like those are the big takeaways so far as we study the book of Job. I pray you're being blessed in the powerful name of Jesus. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support of the podcast. Couldn't do it without you. And this is my great privilege to do this work. So thank you. That's all I have for you this morning. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.